Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are talking the 2018 Theatre Studies Stagecraft Exam Monologues. Hopefully this episode will help you choose a monologue for your students or choose a monologue for yourself. I will tell you a little bit about each of the plays, give you some context and tell you something about the character that you will be playing in the monologue. Let's get to it. Monologue number one, Trina from Falsettos. Music and lyrics by William Finn, book by William Finn and James Lapine. Trina, an anxious and neurotic mother, sings about her family breakdown. Her ex-husband Marvin has come out as gay and is living with his partner, Wizza. Her son Jason is feeling anxious about having a homosexual father and Trina is feeling like she's losing control of her life and family. To add insult to injury, Jason, her son, asks Wizza, Marvin's boyfriend, for advice about seeing a psychiatrist, Mendel, before he will agree to his mother's request. Monologue number two. Mistress Quickly from The Merry Wives of Windsor. Written by William Shakespeare. This is in Act 2, Scene 2. Mistress Quickly, a rowdy, rebellious and shady servant, always manages to place herself in the middle of the action. She acts as a go-between for hire for three different men who want to marry Anne Page. She has no scruples and she's motivated by money. Obviously, this doesn't win her any popularity contests. In this monologue, she talks about how great the other suitors are for Anne Page and how inundated she has been with interest. Monologue number three, Aunt Maggie from The Ferryman, written by Jez Butterworth. Maggie Faraway is literally away with the fairies. She hears banshees. Banshees are Irish spirit fairies whose wails herald death. The play is set on a farm in rural Ireland in 1981. Two mysteries intertwine. The fate of Seamus Carney, a young man disappeared by the IRA on New Year's Day in 1972, and the unspoken love that has grown in his absence between his brother, Quinn Carney, and Seamus's wife, Caitlin Carney. Four adults and seven children all live under the same roof, with Quinn's uncle, Pat, and his aunts, Patricia and Maggie. One a staunch and bitter Irish Republican, the other a more gentle soul, whose long silences are broken with voluble gusts of remembering and prophecy. Maggie flits back and forth between happy childhood memories and dark premonitions. Monologue 4. Leah from A Dibuk. Adapted by Tom Kushner, translated from S. Ansky by Joachim Ugroschel. The story concerns the marriage of Leah, the daughter of the rich sender, who has broken off negotiations with three prospective husbands due to his displeasure with the financial terms. The poor yeshiva student Gohonan is driven by a fanatical love for Leah that she secretly reciprocates. When Sender announces he's finally settled on a husband for Leah, Gohonan turns to dark spiritual forces to thwart the union. He pays with his life, falling dead in the synagogue, only to return as a dibuk, a spirit that takes possession of Leah's body. Monologue 5. Nora from Love, Loss and What I Wore. Written by Nora Ephron and Delia Ephron, based on the book by Eileen Beckerman. The play is composed of 28 different stories that seek to illuminate the female identity. Generally composed of comic stories, the show often addresses sad, bitter or sentimental issues. Beckerman's memoir takes as its departure the clothing worn at pivotal times of her life and serves as the foundation for the show. In this monologue, Nora discusses her handbag and the difficulties found in using one. Monologue 6, Dirambin from The Secret River, written by Kate Grenville, an adaptation for the stage by Andrew Bovell. Dirambin is the narrator or guide of the play The Secret River. 
It is through her eyes we see the events of the play unfold. Convict William Thornhill finds a stretch of land on the Hawkesbury River and believes it is his for the taking. As he and his family seek to establish themselves in this unfamiliar territory, they find they are not the only ones who lay claim to the land. The Hawkesbury is already home to a family of Darug people who are reluctant to leave on account of these new intruders. As Thornhill's attachment to the place and the dream deepens, he is driven to make a terrible decision that will haunt him for the rest of his life. Monologue 7, Marvin from Falsettos. Music and lyrics by William Finn, book by William Finn and James Lapine. This song slash monologue is presented by Marvin. It is about his love for his partner, Wizza, and the problems he has amassed over the course of the play. Falsettos is the story of a large, eccentric, and dysfunctional but loving Jewish family in New York at the end of the 1970s. Marvin is a Jewish, recently divorced, and out-of-the-closet homosexual male with a son who is dealing with the recent changes in his life, a partner wizard with different life goals, and a self-imposed pressure to keep his family connected. Monologue 7. Ford from The Merry Wives of Windsor. Written by William Shakespeare. This is Act 2, Scene 2. Frank presents this monologue in disguise as Brooke. Frank Ford is a rich citizen of Windsor, married to one of the Merry Wives, Mistress Ford. Ford thinks his wife is cheating on him, even though she's not. In Merry Wives, his jealousy is played for laughs, and he winds up becoming an object of ridicule. Ford decides to spend 95% of his time trying to catch her cheating. He even goes as far as to disguise himself as a man, Brooke, so he can spy on his wife. The other 5% of his time is spent delivering big dramatic speeches that would be kind of scary if Ford wasn't so ridiculously funny. Monologue 9, Magenis, from The Ferryman, written by Jez Butterworth. The play is set on a farm in rural Ireland in 1981. Frank McGuinness is a bodyguard to Muldoon, an IRA officer. This monologue appears in a short prologue set the previous day in Derry. It establishes the context. The body of Seamus Carney, who disappeared on New Year's Day 1972 when he was 20 years old, has been discovered in a peat bog in County Louth just across the border. He had been shot in the head, apparently in retribution for his defection from the IRA. Monologue 10, Ivan slash The Crocodile from The Crocodile, written by Tom Basden after Fyodor Dostoevsky. This satirical play is about a struggling actor who begins to receive the recognition he feels he deserves only after being swallowed whole by a crocodile at the zoo. The play is set in a zoo in St. Petersburg in 1865. Ivan, a jobbing actor in his 30s, is visiting the zoo one afternoon with his best friend Zach who attempts to persuade Ivan to abandon the stage for some more worthwhile pursuit. While Ivan is swallowed whole by a crocodile, he at first cries out, from inside the crocodile, for someone to slice the beast open and rescue him. But when he discovers that his new situation brings him instant celebrity, he comes to see it as a smart career move and sets out to exploit it to the full. Monologue 11. Actor from The Woman in Black, A Ghost Play. Adapted by Stephen Malatrat from the book by Susan Hill. This play is a play within a play actor plays the role of young Kipps. The play opens in an empty Victorian theatre where an old Arthur Kipps is reading aloud from a manuscript of his story. A young actor whom he hired to help dramatise the story enters and criticises him for his poor delivery. After an argument they agree to perform the story with the actor playing younger Kipps and Kipps himself playing all the other characters and narrating the play. When they run through the play however things begin to go terribly wrong. Monologue 12. Maniac from Accidental Death of an Anarchist, written by Dario Fo. An Italian railway worker falls to his death from a police headquarters window. Our faith in law and order is tested in this farcical satire on official deceit. The play opens with Inspector Batozzo interrogating the maniac, a histrionic character. 
on the first floor of the police station. The maniac, however, constantly outsmarts the dim-witted Bertozzo, and when Bertozzo leaves the room, intercepts a phone call from Inspector Fasani. The phone call lets the maniac know that a judge is due at the police station to investigate the interrogation and death of the anarchist. The maniac decides to impersonate the judge and successfully does so. He gets the police to reenact the events in the actual fourth floor room and also involves a woman journalist who is trying to probe the events. Monologue 13. Figure 1, Figure 2, Figure 3, Susan Glasson, all from Letters to Lindy. Written by Alana Valentine. Based on the Zaria Chamberlain disappearance, a mother is accused of murdering her child. Her claim? That her baby was taken by a dingo. Over three decades, from baby Azaria's death to the final coroner's report, the public's fascination with Lindy seldom waned. The National Library holds a collection of more than 20,000 letters to Lindy, Azaria's mother. From sympathy to abuse, from marriage proposals to death threats, the correspondence traversed the gamut of responses to Lindy's story. Letters to Lindy draws on this correspondence and interviews with Lindy herself. Monologue 14. Announcer from War of the Worlds. Written by Howard E. Koch. Broadcast from New York's Mercury Theatre in 1938, this infamous radio play based on the novel by H.G. Wells had many terrified listeners convinced that an actual alien invasion of Earth was taking place. When a Martian spacecraft lands on Working Common, mankind is terrorised by aliens in tall, armoured capsules which stalk the countryside on three legs. The machines wreak havoc on London and the southern county, and survivors are driven underground. In this monologue, the announcer reveals new information about the aliens and describes battles lost and won. Well, that's all from us at The Aside. There are a number of episodes in the bank, so feel free to look through those and find one that piques your interest. Please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com where you can ask us a question or give us some feedback. I would like to thank Eltham College for letting us record here, Aaron Searle for providing the music, Drama Victoria for providing ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.